as entrepreneurs, we want to attract a steady stream of pre-qualified clients or customers who are just perfect for us, that we can add tremendous value and create value for ourselves in our own enlightened self-interest. Well, what we all call that is marketing. Well, I have found so many of us as entrepreneurs struggle with this. Today, we've got a remarkable entrepreneur who is one of the best marketing gurus out there. I've known this individual for five years now. I've been in a number of masterminds groups with him. And what I love so much is he takes marketing and he creates elegant tools. And this is a key word that works. You know, what we, so many of us do is we get caught up in marketing. And then when we first started, it looks pretty easy. I mean, attract clients to us. I mean, that's no problem. Well, that's usually out of ignorance. And then we get into complexity, we get into marketing automation, all these different tools and you know, all the different channels that we can have. Today, what we want to do is get you on the right side of complexity and have it simple again. Here at AES Nation, we're all about building simple and elegant businesses that work. You do not want to miss this. This is your opportunity to get simple and elegant marketing. I'm John Bowen. We're at AES Nation. Stay tuned. Beyond your dreams. AESNation.com Paul, I am so excited to have you with me today. You and I have spent uh, five years in different mastermind groups and brainstormed together, become good friends, and... And you are always, I want to say, the quiet, thoughtful guy that when you speak at these meetings, everybody just stops. It's kind of like what the old ad, E.F. Hutton, you know, type when they speak, everybody just, there was a quiet hush, and everybody wants to know the insight. So I am excited to share your message here today. So first of all, thank you for joining us. My pleasure, John. I'm very pleased to be here and to be with you. It's great to share friendship uh, with you. Well, and it's, you know, we're fellow entrepreneurs, we're charging ahead, we're making a difference, and you have been doing it in, I think, one of the toughest areas, having a marketing agency. Um, you know, it's so many of the businesses uh, have struggled in marketing because they haven't kept up with all the changes that are going on. And, you know, it's, it's so funny because people are still people, but there's all these tools and the noise and complexity out there, and this is where you've so excelled is that, Sim, really making it simple. And, and what I'd love to do is have you share a little bit of background of how you've evolved you know, into the successful agency that's really making a big difference. Uh, but you know, my guess is, you know, I always start this, you didn't think at five, you woke up one morning at the age of five and said, you know what, I'm gonna be president of a uh, really successful marketing agency. Yeah. Yeah, that's funny. I, I woke up at 5 a.m. and said, I got to go throw papers. That's what I woke up at 5 saying. <laughs> uh, and I did. That's what I um, actually started collecting bottles before I collected or threw papers. I remember, you know, as you look back on your life as an entrepreneur and you look at those stepping stones that get you to where you are today. And no, uh, I didn't come out of the cradle thinking this is what I would do, but I did. Uh, didn't know it was called unique ability, but I, I followed my unique ability early on, and we collected bottles around the neighborhood and sold them, and 
bought candy and toys and whatever stuff that we did. And then I had a paper out, a, a morning paper out, which was uh, the, the harder of the two. Back in those days, you had an afternoon paper out and you had a morning paper out. So I'd get up in the morning and it was rainy or cold or whatever it was. And I still jump when the alarm goes off from all those childhood memories uh, of doing that. But it was, uh, it was a quest to... To, as, a, as a friend of both of ours, Dan Sullivan says, it's a quest for freedom, freedom to get what I wanted, freedom to do what I wanted to do, the freedom to express what I wanted to do. And I, I had a great thrill out of the customer service part of being a, a, a paper boy, you know, making sure that the paper was on the steps. You never get that anymore. I'm lucky if my paper is just in my driveway, much less on my step. Yeah, I, I, mine's usually covering my sprinkler, you know. Sprinkler, you know. <laughs> and now my morning paper comes at 7 in the morning, you know. If it weren't there by 5, you know, you got a, a kick. It was called a kick or a complaint. But it was fun. I, I always remember just the joy. And in those days, you would go up and you would pull a little receipt off this little book. And you could take cash, you know, your $3.25. And just that interchange with, with the customer of knowing what they liked, what they didn't like. And so in those early days, I picked up a lot of consumer behavior that I still use today uh, in that area. And from there, it went to, um, I worked in the grocery store, you know, carried out pack. Matter of fact, that's how I, how I, how I lassoed my wife, is it, working at the grocery store, is I befriended her mother and made uh, a, a good, I was quick on sacking the groceries and so I'd always come over and sack the groceries when she was coming through the line and got to be friends. And then I got to be a, a checker. So she came over to my checking stand and then I got to meet the daughter and then I married the daughter. So, so it's always been about consumer relations and, and knowing your customer, understanding your customer, finding out what I had to be to, or to, to express to be a good son-in-law, you know, that she would bring the daughter around. So it's really no different than a direct response that we do now when we send out packages or mail or, or a, a space ad that has a coupon in it. It's still understanding the needs and the wants of the customers. My One of my marketing professors, um, he, he actually didn't give me this, but he, he, it was such a confusing answer as to what marketing was. I finally figured this out. It's just matching needs and resources. It's all, it's all marketing is. Find out what the needs are, go get the resources, put them together. So even back in paper route days and in wooing my 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 wife i do celebrate our 47th anniversary yesterday so you know it was a good investment to to learn consumer behavior and i'm still doing it today and you're doing it extremely well and congratulations on the 47th i'm about ready to celebrate 35 too yay, so yay. yeah every one of those are good and uh I'm always amazed uh, that they keep on continuing. They keep on voting to stay with us, Paul. I don't know what it is here. Not Maybe much. it is our understanding of beha consumer behavior. That's true, yeah. <laughs> uh, although I'm not sure that I understand my wife or my wife understands me, but we've, we've kind of trained each other. But, you know, one of the things I'm marking out, I want to go to, you know, you, you really are, um, you know, I want to say even a philosopher. I mean, you, you, you have built you know a great reputation among your peers on the marketing side and and you've got some lessons that you've shared with me and these are high level lessons and, and I want to you know state them and then have you kind of share with me and our viewers and listeners you know what they mean to you I mean the very first thing and and I can see when we're doing some hot seat, you know, you and I first met, I think, at Joe Polish's uh, Genius Network Mastermind Group. We're also uh, together in 
uh, Dan Sullivan's strategic Sullivan. coach and I, one of the two. I can't remember. Yeah, I don't remember which one we first met, but I mean, you know, it's been great. And you know, knowing your client, knowing your customer, this is so critical. You know, for your fellow entrepreneurs, I mean, this is an important lesson, and it's one I got to tell you, I see over and over again that we neglect, uh, we take for granted. You know, right. what does this mean to you? Know your client. Number one, without a client, there is no business, there is no agency, there is no opportunity to express the creativity, the individual gifts that I've been given, the experience that I've gleaned through the years on that. And so to be able to share back with the client is to really understand what they want. And it goes back to that, that very simple, it was a hard definition to, to craft, but it's a very simple definition of meeting the needs with the resources. So I look for what their needs are. Uh, if it's um, I don't know, pair of shoes, or if it's a car, you and I love to talk about our cars, you know, if it's a car or whatever it is, or if it's just a simple way to, to connect with another human being. So the thing that I look for with, um, uh, with the customer is uh, what, are their, what are the words that they use, what are the patterns that, the, that they're, they're developing. You look for the sequence. I'm a big believer in, in the, the future is just an extension of the past. And that's not a totally inclusive, but I like that as a theory. So what I look at is where the consumer's been in the past, and there's a pretty good indication that's where they're going to be in the future. Uh, one of our expressions that we have at the agency is just make it easy for people to do what they already want to do. So we just try to make it easy to, for what they want to do. We find out what they want to do. We find out what they've been doing, find out what they'd like to do, make it easy for them to do it. Needs and resources. Yeah, no, it's, it's so funny. I mean, a lot of times as entrepreneurs, what we want to do is we want the consumer to do something. Right. We think they need something. And I've gone down this rabbit hole before, and I'm sure you've had some clients you have to talk off the ledge, uh, Paul, because, you know, one of the biggest concepts I've, I've really come away with marketing is you have to deliver to the consumer, to your clients, what they want not what they need. Now, you also have to get the result, and it depends on the type of business you're doing, but you know, I've always thought of it as you sell them what they want and deliver what they need to get the results that they're looking for. And that's, that's been just really helpful for me, you know, getting that clear understanding of wants, because when I go away and you can have something extremely valuable, but they, uh, you know, they, don't know, they don't know it, they don't understand it, it isn't going to happen. You can be way ahead of your time. Mm -hmm. oh, it's very, very true, John. And we, uh, I, I love the expression of it's easier to pull a chain than it is to push a chain. And so uh, we, we don't try to get anybody to do anything they don't already want to do. Uh, we do a lot of uh, nonprofit fundraising for faith-based organizations on that. And a lot of people think that it's uh, guilt-based and you've got to beg and you've got to do this stuff. It's no different than selling shoes or cars. It, it's all consumer behavior. It's all matching, again, the need and, and the, the resource on that. And we go back to uh, 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, and there are three very simple uh, principles that you'll find in 2 Corinthians. One, it's find a cheerful giver. Just go to those mm -hmm. who enjoy giving. Number two, find people who have funds that they want to give. You can't get what you don't have. And number three, find somebody who gets... Uh, uh, what I call is, uh, some people say there's an obligation. I think it's a privilege. So who fulfill that privilege to be a part of giving? 
So we never look for people that we've got to force gifts out of. Cheerful giver, people who have resources, and people who have a, a privilege or an obligation to help those who are in need. So if you want to feed the hungry, house the homeless, clothe the naked, heal the sick, we just make it easy for you to do. It's the same thing. We work with a riding stable. We work with a high-end hunter-jumper, $500,000 horse riding stable. We just look for children, young adults who want to ride horses, for people who have $500,000 who can buy the horses that jump over the gates. So it's the same thing. This goes to your next lesson, uh, number two, know your numbers. I mean, this is, you know, so often, you know, we've got, you know, we understand what consumers want and we do kind of the shotgun approach and just send it out to everybody <laughs> instead <laughs> of, you know, knowing, you know, the right numbers, you know, who, who it is. I mean, you know, marketing, you know, we can go, uh, there's a lot of kids who would love to probably have that experience. Certainly a lot of young ladies that would love to have that experience of jumping. I'm in the horse country out here too. Right. And they, uh, you know, if the parents don't have money, they're not going to be able to do it at that level. And, yeah. and you can send out and get all kinds of activity and, right. you know, and so Paul, what, what do you mean when you talk about knowing your numbers in today's uh, marketing environment? Yeah, the, back to the little expression I used before about the future is an extension of the past. So we do an awful lot of work with numbers. Uh, I believe numbers are the data. That's the, um, that's the rudder on the ship. That's what guides the ship. So if you look for the patterns, look for the cycles, look for the sequences, look for the connections, uh, I have yet to find a, a block of numbers where there's not an indication of what the consumer wants and where the consumer wants to go. And so we look through there, we look through segmentations, we look through frequency, we look through the, uh, the, the either the gift arrays or the purchase amount. So again, back to the $500,000 horse, not everybody can afford a $500,000 horse. That's, that's a very expensive horse. So you look for capacity to do that, you look for frequency, you look for some previous history that's in there. And then once you get that, then you start doing your marketing, and then you watch the patterns that go forward on that, John. So we, we pull numbers every month. Numbers are what tell us where we need to go. Uh, without that, it's just wasting money, wasting time, effort, energy, and money. Well, I think this is one of the things that's so powerful from your direct response background. I, I, quite honestly, I grew up in the financial services industry, and it's such a profitable industry that, I mean, we watch the numbers like crazy on the investment side, but on the marketing side, it was a relationship. They really weren't tracked that much. And the profit per client, and certainly the lifetime value per right. client was so high that you could kind of ignore that. And now today, with all the technology, the marketing automation, I feel like a kid in a candy store that I can see exactly what's working, what's not. I can do split testing, all this. And I mean, the power of numbers, and this is really since I met you, Paul, um, this has been a journey that just, I, I mean, I've learned. And I wanna make sure, you know, we're kind of going over it quick, but this is so life-changing for you, you know, entrepreneurs, if you're not doing this now, I mean, this, this is a game changer in accelerating your success even more. It is. And John, there's some, some relatively simple things that people can do to set up when you set up your segmentation, you do your coding, you do your tracking. And, and in direct response, we have to make it work. My, my favorite thing in all of the advertising area is doing space ads. I just love doing space ads. You never know if space ads work or not. You know, the, only, the only work is do you feel good about doing them. 
So in direct response, you've got to do something that produces a result. You've got to measure it. You've got to make sure your lifetime value is there, getting the return on it. A lot of what we do is lead generation. We do acquisition or new name. Um, um, we call it new name non-donors in mm -hmm. that area. And then once you get those in, what the conversion rate is, what the, your intro series is, your welcome kit is, and then you can just follow the pattern of where, where your packages work, where they don't work, where people are interested, where they're not interested. And if it's not working, you don't want to keep doing it. So. What I love is, you know, I, I was more used to, you know, we'd run awareness type things or sponsor events, and there was no way of really measuring it. And, you know, in my agencies I was working with at the time, you'll appreciate this one award. So they said it was really yeah. good. <laughs> and uh, I have learned there's no correlation. Actually, it might be an inverse correlation between your agency winning an award for your campaign and the results that you get. And oh, what I love about direct response, I know the ROI, the return on investment, every single element. And, and this is just, you know, it's, it's changed the game. And a big part of this is really your lesson number three, know your talent. I mean, you know, so many people in marketing kind of, you know, put, you know, lick their finger, put the up in the air and yeah. to see which way the wind was blowing. You know, now having talent in marketing that understands numbers, understands technology, understands these tools is just critical. It is. And to have that appreciation, John, that there are other elements involved rather than just creativity. Uh, one of my early on godfathers, uh, Tom Helzer, God rest his soul, passed away uh, many years ago, took me under wing and he had this sign in his, um, about the size, oh, I don't know, it was about a six by eight size sign in his office and it said, don't tell me it's good looking, tell me it moves merchandise. And every time Tom and I would get together and I'd show him some of my stuff, he would say, don't tell me it's good looking. Tell me it was merchandise. <laughs> and so, and I have, it's, it's right over here on my wall. I have it now 20, 30, 33 years, 33 years I've had that, that sign. So every day I think about that. So the numbers are what tell you what works. And the, the people who have appreciation for the numbers, appreciation again for that discipline. So much of a little bit of a, of a, of a get around to answering the question. So much of marketing is just being disciplined. Uh, knowing what to do and staying within that group. So many times we want to, and the young creatives are coming through, want to get out and just do this beautiful big stuff or all the trinkets or the trip wires and, and everything else, that the lead magnets that go into it, magnets that go into it, which are all good, but they've got to work before they're really good. So getting back to, you mentioned early on, we, we do pretty things that work. That's what we do. We create pretty things that work, and if they don't work, they're not pretty. And, and a lot of times in direct response, ugly and boring is what works. And so get talent who can appreciate that and receive that and knowing that maybe a, a direct mail piece or uh, even an annual report, which is normally very high end, that if you do one that's not high end, that may be the best way to make that thing work, that report work or that package work or that magazine work or that newsletter work or that welcome kit work, or whatever it is that's in there, or that lead generation, that banner ad, it's got to work first before it's before it can be critical that it's that it's good looking. And once you get it to work, then you can play with whether it's better looking or not. But so much of that's that discipline. So, so finding people, and I'll, I'll do a, a quick note here. Matter of fact, you were with me. We were in New York at Joe Polish's event, and uh, Ariana Huffington was there. In your own Huffington Post, you've got this great 
uh, uh, series that you're involved in. And one of the questions was, how do you know when you're selecting staff if they're the right staff? And her answer, even though she and I have very different views on other things, I love her answer. And she said, you know when you know. And I think that's one of the critical things that, that I've missed coming up, but I've learned and I'm doing it now through through my um, my seasoned adventure here, is that when I interview people, I know when I know. And it's when I've gone against what I know that they haven't worked out and we wasted time and effort and energy and it's been bad for them and bad for us. So I'm really locked into about talent, is when I go through that process, I know when I know. I just really trust that at that intuition. No, it's, it's, there are so many different ways to find talent, and, uh, but th there's a very critical that know when you know. When your gut tells you it's not right, you it's know what? Right. <laughs> it's right. It's, it's not right. <laughs> it's not right, <laughs> particularly if you have experience. And if you don't have that gut, have somebody with you, a COO or someone else that yeah. has that gut. Let me go to the next one because we've been talking about numbers, and this is a big number four. It's know your marketing selling process. And this is, uh, I think, so critical, understanding that client pathing uh, and you know, the ability, because we're, you know, all the other things fall into place. You know, we have all these tripwires and client, you know, acquisition strategies, the ethical bribes, the lead magnet. I've never heard, I didn't know what all this stuff was, Paul, until I started, you know, hanging out with Joe Polish and his group, you and others. And, and, and you can get all this complexity, but, you know, we really started and I introduced you as simple and elegant. And, and I've come to this belief that on the marketing and sales process, there's a, there, there's all this fancy stuff. And I have this concept of it has to be, if I want to put something in there, it has to be a hell yes. Uh, there has to be a really good reason uh, because most things should be no. We make it so complicated. I want to keep it simple and in working. But tell, tell me your thoughts on this marketing and sales process because you are, I mean, this is something you make look effortless. Well, uh, thank you, and and some of that effortless is because of the the grit and the grime and, and the <laughs> angst, you know, that, that that we built, and and we built it out of testing. You mentioned testing earlier. We did a lot of ABs, a lot of nth test on that. The the market, um, I like to say, it's not a why market. It, it's a what market. I don't know why people do what they do, and I don't really even care why they do what they do. All I want to do is just watch what they do and figure out what it is that needs to be done. So we built a system that fits into what people want to do. Again, going back to just make it easy for people to do what they want to do. Extension, uh, the future is extension of the past. All of that's built into every package we have. It's built into every teaser that we have on every carrier. It's built into every newsletter. It's built into every book promotion. It's built into every, even, even the little six-word lead uh, generator uh, banners that we do. All of that goes back to the system of trying to get that message in there where you can just get someone to raise their hand and say, yeah, I'm interested. And then once you get into that, then you've got that process. And again, it's very disciplined. Uh, we know what works. We know what doesn't work. And quite often, often, maybe not as often as it used to. Well, as a matter of fact, not as often as it used to. Sometimes it doesn't work. And then that's when we go in and we'll pull a package out, put another package in and see what the market wants to do. And frequently it's from one customer to the other. It may work with the AB kits over here, get to another group, and it may be the CD kits on that. So it's just always suggesting you got a process, you have a discipline, staying within that groove, but you're adjusting as you go the windage or that, that course correction as you go when you work with the different clients. And, and, and even same client, 
with a different product within within their um, their cadre of offers. Well, one of the words I think it came, you told me first, and it's it's creating that baseline, that control. And mm-hmm. this was something that I had not done in the past. You know, you're, I'm one of those fairly innovative, uh, going ahead and you know making changes here and there, and you know kind of be creative, and you know you, you have nothing to measure it against. And uh-huh. it's, you know, and I mean, you don't really know whether it's working. I mean, you know, and you change too many factors, so you can't tell, well, whether that worked or not. And, and getting that discipline that you've got, Paul, and I mean, you've been one of the guys coaching me on this, is having that discipline and really getting that control element. So you've now got a baseline that you can measure against and, you know, that's working. And then the ability then to try different things along the edge to see if you can improve. I mean, it's been just really valuable for me. I mean, it's, it's, it was a big mistake in the past and we were successful kind of in spite of ourselves. But now, you know, that it's just accelerated so much more and we know why it's happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very much uh, setting your control up. And then the second part of setting the control up is always trying to beat the control. That's always the goal after that. But you can't beat the control unless you know what the control is. And so you set that, and uh, we, we find, without exception, that small things make big differences. So if you get in there and start changing the carburetor around and get the, you know, the springs a little loose or tight on that, you never know for sure what's making it go or not go. So keeping that base and doing incremental changes around it is where we've had our greatest success on that. I mean, even the color of... Uh, of the teaser on on a return envelope, uh, something as simple as that. Uh, how they're stacked, uh, so it's always measuring it. And again, who knows why? Let's just see what works and what doesn't work, and keep doing more of what works. Well, so. and, and these little, you know, as we are all getting bigger and bigger businesses and doing this, I mean, you know, having a half a percent or one percent increase. Uh, can you know make a huge difference? You know, and a response rate can make a huge difference. I mean, that little change on the teaser color, the you know doing this one step on an email campaign. Uh, I've just been, you know, those incremental differences uh, have shocked me. Mm-hmm. Very, very much so. And that's one of the things you mentioned earlier about numbers. And I was going to add that in. It's a great place to add it here. Uh, we're both in Abundance 360. Uh, one of the mastermind groups with Peter Diamandis, and one of the examples that Peter talks about is where the the internet and the amount of knowledge that we all know now is is about the size of a golf ball, and as exponential development comes around, the capacity to get into all that data is going to be like the sun. So you have the golf ball of all we know right now to the sun of what we will know in the future. You, you talked about a target-rich environment, or you said a candy store. I love the target-rich environment expression. My goodness, what will happen when we have that capacity to go into a data file and pick out things? My client, one of our buddies in a couple of groups that we're in, I was just talking with him Friday night about how to go into a file. I have, I have a current file that we work with of about 500,000 active uh, subscribers uh, in that. And so my goal is to go into those 500,000 names and find the 14 that are just right for this offer or package that I'm looking for. Can't do that right now. But yeah. in someday when we get to the sun, I'm going to be able to go in and find those 14, and I have to worry about the other 490,000 that I'm mailing or sending emails out to. And we, we don't, we're, we're not that. I mean, I, and my, my financial advisor, I have 80,000 on our uh, weekly newsletter, 
And we can go in now and identify the thousand that will be interested in this area and have a pretty high percentage of interaction and not and know that the others aren't. And I mean, the data management anymore and you know, we're running local workshops in every major metropolitan area and our ability to identify, uh, we do drops of 7,500 direct mail. Uh, mm -hmm. People who have over a million dollars who have this kind of uh, psychographic uh, demeanor, you know, or it's just, it's amazing. And, and it's just, it's just now, I mean, it's still really early stages and the golf ball to the sun is both exciting and scary. Yeah. But this is why you want to get involved. You definitely want to have that clear process, all the steps Paul is talking about. But I, I'm going to go to the last of the five, the big five is know your next move. Paul, and, and this is kind of, you know, we're, we're kind of into it. I mean, we're talking about, you know, things are going to change. So we're going to be planning this. How do we do that? Yeah, I think the, the biggest thing there for me, John, <clears throat> as I answer that question myself, is, is getting a sense of what the future is going to be. And that's one of the things that working with Peter Diamandis has helped me and Ray Kurzweil in one of the books, The Singularity Is Now, is just being aware of what's out there so that I start to train my mind to go in that direction on that. There's not a lot I'm doing today that matches with the singularity is near, but there's a lot in my mind that's moving to get me to that point so that I can be there. Even just the thought of the exponential development on that, uh, of how you know, one is two, two is four, four is eight, eight is 16, and that, that rapid incre uh, increase on there. And to be mentally, um, adaptable. I think that's the biggest thing is to learn how to learn. Uh, it's not going to be the smart who are going to win, but it's going to be those who know how to adjust to what's going to be coming forward. So I think it's a mindset as much as anything on that uh, is to prepare where we're going. And, and the other, being in mastermind groups, uh, you and I are in a couple together, two or three or four, however many it is. I think I'm in about eight total. Uh, some some are like a seasonal thing. I, I can glean things out of them and then I move on to another. But it's just being around other people. What's the old expression? If you want to know where you're going to be in five years from now, look at the books you're reading and the people you're around. And you're the average of the five people you're around. All those good things, which I think are really true. So getting involved with other other resources that help broaden your awareness and your knowledge. That's that's where I really focus. Yeah, you and I share that obviously because we're in the groups. That's why I started AESNation.com. You know, our good friends Joe Polish and Dan Sullivan really encouraged us to kick this off as a virtual mastermind. But you know, get involved in the local ones or a national one, and it's just hanging around with like-minded people who are on this journey together. It's just been so valuable. Let me go to another segment though, Paul here. This is the book of the day recommend to your fellow entrepreneurs as a book that you know you thought was really valuable mm -hmm. I, I like the rational optimists uh, like the library behind you I have a huge library here at the office and a huge library at the house I have actually two libraries at the house and of all of the the books uh, apart from the Bible uh, of all the books that I've, I've read is the rational optimist by Matt Ridley and it gives such a, it, it is not beach reading. This is not something you'll just sit down in an afternoon and, and knock through. It's, 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 it's not as difficult as the singularity is near, but it's still, <laughs> it's still a process to read. That's a high bar though, too. It, 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 it's a high <laughs> bar, but it has such a great understanding about division of labor and specialization of skills. 
even starting with, as I mentioned earlier, about the guy on the seashore who, who can craft an arrowhead, who wants to exchange arrowheads for the guy who can do a bowl that lives up in the mountains and works with wood. So that division of labor and specialization of skill, it gave such a, a, a foundation of why things are the way they are with mankind, uh, our conflict, our fighting each other, how we move forward in society and civilization, how we understand, and how we're going to get to the next level. So I, I, I just thought, Dan Sullivan mentioned it to me, and I just think it's a great book. Well, I have it on my reading list, and I will endeavor, but I will not do it at the beach. As you no, no, not at the beach. <laughs> Probably an airplane ride, a long airplane ride. Is, yeah, is a, a little bit couple, every night. Yeah, you know? yeah, no, excellent. Well, let's go to the next one. And this is resources, and let me pull up your website Paul, and uh, we're at uh, BinghamAgency.com, and again, you can always go to AES Nation, and uh, show notes and links are there. I mean, I love that title, We Create Elegant Tools at Work, and, you know, the skyline, I, I assume that's Dallas there, it looks like, yeah. as it's flashed by, and um, what might, you know, uh, you, you work with a very focused group you mentioned, but who do you serve? And if somebody wants to reach out to you and learn more about what you're doing? Yeah, the, the, the main thing that, that we're doing now, and not, not to be pedantic about this, is that we're, we're looking for um, partnerships, uh, people who want to have us walk with them to develop what they're doing. Uh, and, and in particular, there, there's a group called Conscious Capitalism out right now that, that we're a part of. And so it's my definition of it, it's not theirs, but it's my definition. It's good people doing good things for good reasons. And that's what we want to do. We were looking for people who, groups, uh, organizations, movements, causes, um, projects even, that want to make a difference in the world. Our basic philosophy, our, our, of all the many things that, that we have as our core foundation, is to make money and change lives. So we're looking for that. And when I say make money, you have to have progress. We, we were laughing about paying rent a, a little bit earlier. You, you got to pay rent. You know, life has its, its necessities and its bars that you've got to cross on that. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that at all. And to change more lives, you can make more money. The more money you make, you can change lives. Our, Dan Sullivan has that, that great expression of if you really want to help the poor, don't be one of them, you know, <laughs> which I love. And so the more, the more resources, more capacity that you have, the more that you can help. And so we're looking for people who want to do that. And it might be in, uh, again, a $500,000 horse, uh, a hunter-jumper stable that does that. We work with couture people. We have parapolitical people that we work with. We have a lot of uh, individual um, sole proprietors who want to develop their brand. And I use that word loosely. It's such an overused word but who want to get their package together, their presentation out there. So anybody who wants to move forward and make a change uh, in life and, and better the world, we're, we're happy to do that. And it can be in direct response, it can be in online, it can be webs, it can, uh, we do some events, I'm, I'm, like, I'm like what you mentioned earlier, events are a lot of time and effort and money for not a lot of return. Yeah. Uh, but we have done those and we, we can do those. But it's mostly getting a good return on, on, on the value, creating value and making sure that, that they're is something that moves merchandise and not just looks good in the process. You do a phenomenal job on that, and and encourage everyone to check out uh, Paul's website. You know, definitely download this transcription because there's so many gems in here. But let me go to the last segment sure. where I can summarize the key takeaways. You know, I, I mean, I've been taking a lot of notes, and I, I've had the privilege of working with Paul on a you know number of events and just getting to know 
you know, his thought process. I want to just kind of review the big five that he shared with us. And these are hard lessons learned. And they're going to be applicable to every one of our businesses. And it's how you execute on these. But in knowing your clients, taking the time to really understand your clients. I always may break it out to, I'm big on five things. Five, you know, what are the five key concerns? You know, what are their wants? You know, how do you address them so that you can help them by helping them in our own, I mean, what I love about capitalism and light and self-interest makes the world go round by delivering value to them, you do exceptionally well. Number two, know the numbers. There's no excuse anymore in marketing and sales, not knowing the numbers. The tools are there, they're critical. As Paul talked about, create the control, so this is a baseline experience, and then really, Everything you do is to beat the control, to keep on doing split tests, whatever it is, but have the right people that know that. That's really number three, know your talent. There's so much talent out in the world. It can be internal, it can be your employees, it can be external, you're outsourcing it. However you get that, have the talented people that can really help you accelerate your success so that you do even more. You're able to make that bigger impact in the world as Paul talked about. And number four, I think this is critical. It's knowing your marketing and sales process. This is having that whole client pathing, having it step-by-step. Step. Don't make it overly complex. Get on the right side of complexity, simplicity. We're all about having simple and elegant entrepreneurial business. And, and number five, be involved in a mastermind group. Be, you know, be surround yourself with people who are gonna help you anticipate the future, that next move. Paul, thank you again for joining us. Uh, you know, definitely download the notes, uh, the show notes, the transcript. We'll have all the links of everything we talked about. Uh, your clients and your future clients, they're all counting on you. Don't let them down. Make it happen. Wish you the best of success. Exceptional, remarkable breakthroughs. AESNation.com